Good morning, Rabotai. <laughs> good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today has been sponsored um, and dedicated in loving memory of Mr. Lili Safra, Lili Nishmat Leah Batchana, and by in lo- dedicated loving memory of Sam Frankel, Lili Nishmat Shalom Pin Chazmem Menachem Tzvi Halevi, on the anniversary of his 49th yard site. May his Neshama have an Aliyah, sponsored by his grandson Ira Frankel. Sponsored by Stephen Rappaport, the Breakfast King, in honor of Rabbi Shlomo Fari. May he have the strength to lead the co- congregation in this tri- time of great stress. Yeah, Annie, it's so beautiful. Hazak uh, Baruch, uh, Stephen, I appreciate it. Also dedicated, speedy, complete, for Hashem, Rabbanit, Chana Farchi, Chana Batsima Fega, and uh, as well, uh, the week of Kobru is sponsored and dedicated for a speedy and complete fashion for Hanabat Semefega and also by David E. Ash in honor of you and your substantial capacity to do good today and every day. And finally, as a refuashima for Rabbi Eli Abadi, Eliyahu Shimon, Ben Mazal Fortuna, Bezat Hashem will be Zocheh to see Yeshuot Nehamot Refuashim Mavikarov, Mamash. And Emli Bat Frida, Bezat Hashem. Okay, let us begin. In this week's Perasha, the Torah discusses in many different ways the idea of a person who is no longer uh, has a, a grip on his finances. He's lost his footing or his uh, handing, okay? And he's unable to be able to sustain himself. The Pasuk says, When your brother will become poor, and uh, he will lose his grip amongst you, and you will grab hold of him. You'll grab hold of him. What does that mean? And you will grab hold of him. Sounds like an interesting expression, right? What should it say if it means that the guy is falling and he's losing his, uh, his grip? What should you say? You should pick him up. But it doesn't say you lift him. It says and you will grab hold of. And what does this mean? So I want to share with you a beautiful pasuk. The pasuk says, Ashre maskil el dal. What do we got, Sammy? What's the end of the pasuk? Ashre maskil el dal. Marie. Biyom ra'ah. Yimalteo amunai. Exactly. Praiseworthy. Ashre praiseworthy. Maskil el dal. Is a person who is wise to someone who is poor. Interesting expression. Biyom ra'ah, in a bad day, yimaltehu amunai, God will save him. What does this pasuk mean? Maskil eldal, that a person who has, who has wisdom to understand eldal. I want to share with you a beautiful piece from the Zohar, especially after Lag Baomer. The Zohar relates the following story. One of the Tanaim, his name was Rabbi Yitzchak. He was a student of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Anyway, one day, uh, a poor man comes to Rabbi Yitzchak and he says to him, Rabbi, please, Dachilak, you have to help me. Uh, it's so difficult. We are, I have no money. I have nothing. I need to buy some food. Please, all I have is a half of a shekel in my pocket. Rabbi Yitzchak feels bad for the guy who wants to help him out. Checks his pockets. What does he got? Half a shekel also. Also has a half a shekel. Rabbi Yitzchak was a... A cool guy, he only used Apple Pay, okay? He had half a shekel on him. But he wasn't a poor man, but he had to say, he said, listen, I'm really sorry, all I have is a half a shekel. Here, Fadal. He gives him the half a shekel. He feels bad. All he had in his pocket was the same amount that a poor man had. What did he even do? He barely even helped the guy. Anyway, the guy said, thank you so much. 
How did I took one half a shekel, another half a shekel, what does he got? A whole shekel. He goes out, he buys something to eat, and he goes on his merry way. The guy, you know, uh, Rabbi Yitzchak doesn't feel like he did a big thing. In fact, he feels bad that all he did was give the guy half a shekel. The Zohar says, that night, Rabbi Yitzchak had a dream. And in his dream, he's, uh, he went into the ocean to, to go to the mikveh, and the waves of the ocean started pulling him deeper and deeper into the ocean. He's getting very scared, he's crying out, he's screaming for help, no one's helping him. All of a sudden he sees, uh, coming towards him in the ocean, is his rabbi, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. The great Mekubal, the great Tana, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai comes. He stretches out his hands, Rabbi Yitzchak is stretching out his hand to the rabbi, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, and he, they can't reach one another. And at this point, in his dream, Rabbi Yitzchak is terrified, to the point where in his dream, he starts saying Shema Yisrael and Vidui. He's very shaken up. All of a sudden, from nowhere, an angel comes and holds his hand and takes the other hand and holds the hand of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And together, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and the angel save him from, this, uh, from the tempest at sea. When he gets a chance to look at the angel's face, he notices that the angel has the face of this poor man that he helped that day, that he gave a half a shekel. Ashrei maskil el dal. Praiseworthy is someone who is wise when it comes to the poor, to someone who is poor. What does it mean that he has wisdom? A person could look sometimes at someone else and their situation and their difficulty and be an idiot. I'll give you an example of this. I remember a while ago, they had a, a fascinating uh, scenario happen. Um, there was a group of American uh, you know, a, a task force started by the government, and they tried to figure out, you know, there's a, some area in Africa, you know, where they, the people were really, unfortunately, they weren't developed, they, all sorts of problems, and they thought, what could we do for this village that would really help these people? And they realized, great idea, we should give them computers. If we give them computers, they'll have access to the internet, they'll be able to search, they'll be able to learn, they'll be able to do commerce, they'll set up uh, you know, Amazon accounts, right, from the actual Amazon. Anyway, they'll do amazing things with these computers that will drop, uh, you know, on this, in this area. Okay, fine. What do they do? They airlift in and they drop down little parachutes, uh, laptops. What's the problem? No electricity. By the time these guys turned on the laptops, and figured out how to point the mouse or type anything into the computer, the computer is dead, never to be used again. Now, I always love this example, not to point the finger at government bureaucracy, because I think the people who sent this wonderful gift, they had the best of intentions. But with the best of intentions, you cannot, you cannot help someone else from where you stand. They were looking at this problem from, through the eyes of someone who lives in my situation, who has the things that I have. I have Wi-Fi, I have electricity. What would I be lacking if I looked like that? I might be lacking a laptop, you understand? So what did they do? They tried to fill a, a, a hole in this person's life that was shaped like me, not like them. Says the Pasuk, Ashrei Maskil Eldad. Sometimes we think to ourselves, I don't want to help this person. Why? Because I think to myself, 
I don't know how I can help that person in the way that I would want to be helped. Rabbi Yitzchak looks at the half of a shekel in his pocket and it's nothing to him. So he doesn't think it's anything until he realizes in this dream, this prophetic dream that he had, that this little tiny gift that for him was nothing, for the Ani meant food. It wasn't half a shekel, it was food. It was survival. It was life itself. The wise way to look at someone is to leave your own shoes and see things through their eyes. Where this little thing to you means actually everything in the world to them. Right, sometimes you, I see this. Who's this guy? Oh, you want me to apologize? Want to say sorry? Fine, I'll say sorry. I have no problem. Sorry. For you, saying sorry, obviously, didn't mean all that much. But for that person to have closure, to, to trust somebody again, he needed to see that a person that he believed in, that he trusted, was capable of recognizing what they had done wrong and of taking ownership over the fact that they had hurt them. So for you, sorry might mean nothing, but for them, sorry might mean the thing that will allow them to get on with their life. Sorry might mean that this person is not living tortured every single day, thinking or wondering about a broken relationship between you and them. The smallest things for us sometimes are the very biggest things outside. I don't know if you uh, ever had a chance, but I was given, for one of my Hanukkah gifts, I was given by my grandfather a microscope. My brother was given electric racing cars, and I got a microscope. So I knocked my brother over the head with the microscope, took the cars. Right? So back at, at that young age, I was already putting things on microscopic slides and eyeballing them. Okay? Looking for bugs. Looking for bugs in raspberries. Anyway, I remember at that time, I found this little tiny bug. Tiny. And I thought, I wonder what that looks like under the microscope. I took the bug, put it on the slide. Some of you will remember this from... Uh, chemistry or bio in school, put it in this, between the slides, stuck it under the microscope, and I was amazed. I don't even know what kind of bug it was. But it, it looked like a speck. What was I expecting? A couple of legs, you know, wings. This thing had like multiple wings. It had like a bunch of eyes, like it looked like a bunch of beady eyes that when you looked under it like a microscope, it actually looked less like a bug and more, more like some alien out of a sci-fi movie. It was so, it was so amazing to see. Maskil eldal means that when a person uses their sechel, but how do they use their sechel? Eldal. You use your wisdom to move towards, to begin to understand a person who is dal, who doesn't have something, who's missing something. My friends, everybody is missing something. A person who doesn't have the means to be able to provide for their family is missing the means to provide their family. You might have someone on the other hand, who has all the means in the world to take care of his family. But the family dynamic is broken. He doesn't get along with his wife. He's not talking to his wife. His kids don't want to see him. You meet a man like that, you know, and another man like that, and you think to yourself, this guy has some need that needs to be fulfilled, and this guy has a need that needs to be fulfilled. The pasuk over here is telling us, if your brother is poor, be smart enough to understand that not always what he's looking for is a handout. Not always is what he's looking for to be picked up. I ask you, why does it say, Why doesn't it say, And you will lift him up. 
And the answer is because actually, quite often, if you're maskil el dal, you understand that that person does not want to be lifted up. And by the way, sometimes they don't want to be lifted up even when they tell you that they do. Their deepest desire and their deepest need is to be strong enough to stand up themselves, to have some level of autonomy, to be able to take uh, ownership and to be able to take control over the, 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 the unfortunate course that their life has taken. Says the Pasuk Vehechezak Tabo, like that little village in Africa, Torah is asking you to be an electrical plug for this man. Vehechezak Tabo, grab hold of him, be mechazekim, give him of your strength, but don't make his standing up a product of your strength. Because if you are propping him up, first of all, you are teaching him to stay propped up by others. But second of all, my friends, perhaps worse, is you are solving a monetary one and creating and creating a mental one. You solved their money problem. But you gave them a different problem, a worse problem. A problem where the people thinks and it is being reiterated and it is being reinforced that I cannot take care of my own problems. I have no agency, I have no capability. I was recently talking with an entrepreneur who told me that what is, what is so interesting to see is what's going on in Lakewood today. And Lakewood today is one of the fastest growing economies. It's actually such an interesting place to go study. You have a bunch of guys who sat and learned Torah for many, many years, super bright. There comes a point where they can no longer sit and learn Torah anymore. Their family, their expenses are too high, so they have to figure out and they need to go to work. So it used to be that all these people went into the same three jobs. I'm not joking, mortgages. I'm, it was the same three jobs that they did. Mortgages, uh, flipping real estate, you know. That was, they, they didn't have many paths that they, but it came a time where people started deciding that you know what, there has to be, there's so many people here vying in such a small space. And in a matter of maybe five or 10 years, the economic model in the city completely turned on its head, where everyone is seeking to find new businesses and new avenues and entrepreneurial ways of being able to provide for their families. And the range of businesses that's coming out from a bunch of guys wearing white shirts and black pants is the most unbelievable and incredible thing to see. The price of office space in Lakewood, New Jersey, doubled and tripled, it is not to be believed. If you don't believe me, one day take a trip down and drive around. It is unbelievable. Now, it's not shocking. Because again, you take a bunch of super bright people, introduce them to the workforce, you'd imagine that these people should be able to figure out a way to take care of themselves and their families. So I asked this guy, I said, tell me, first of all, why did it take so long? Why is this a new development? And he said something to me that shook me. He says, you could be the smartest guy in the world. But if you don't know that there's a possibility, then what happens? You stay in your square, the smartest guy in the world, and you do nothing with your brains or with your capacity. All it took was a few people breaking the mold, showing all these other smart guys that think of a concept, come up with a business, find a niche, build something. I can show you how to build the back end. 
the business part of it. Find a product, fulfill a need. And all of a sudden, it was left to every guy to use their brains and creativity to come up with something new. There is a point in time, and I, I need to explain this, but there's a point in time where something new is no longer something new. Let me just reiterate that. It takes a long time for people to realize that you can build something new and that people will buy it. It takes a long time to realize that. Think about how long it took for people to realize that you don't only have to let the chain stores sell retail. You're talking about decades and decades and decades of American history where all of a sudden, in a matter of five, six years, are upended on their head. It's unbelievable what e-commerce did. But to me, e-commerce and what we're seeing, this phenomenon that we're seeing in Lakewood, New Jersey, with a bunch of Kolo guys who are now, again, I remember Lakewood. I grew up in Deal. There, were no, there wasn't a religious rabbi school in Deal, New Jersey. There was, a, there was Hillel, but it was co-ed. I'm a rabbi's son. My father wanted to send me to a boy's yeshiva. We had no options back then. We had to go to Lakewood, New Jersey. So every day, we took this yellow school bus, drove a bunch of, a bunch of us, mostly rabbi kids, right, and, and some ba'alei batim. But that's what we did. We all went to Lakewood, and we, and we studied. That's how, that's how it was back then. Didn't have another option. I remember Lakewood from when I was five, six years old. People didn't have cars. If you had a car, the, the hood and the door and the trunk were different colors. <laughs> I remember a kid bragging to me that for Cholam O'ed, his father was going to borrow a car and they were going to go to New York. I'm old enough to remember, to remember someone saying those words to me. And I was just looking at this kid, I was like, Hazi. Like his big trip, his Cholam O'ed outing, was his father not going to rent a car. His father was a rabbi, they couldn't afford to rent a car. If I was going to borrow a car, and they were going to drive to Brooklyn. Ooh. <laughs> Today, go down there, it's all fancy cars. It's all gourmet glot with $9 for organic orange juice. Free range lettuce, okay? <laughs> That's not a thing, but it will become one. People are that stupid. Okay? This, go to Lakewood, you'll see what I'm talking about. Now, my friends, the reason why I'm talking about this is because I want to share that sometimes that's what Ashrim Maskil El Dal means. That when you become wise to what a poor person needs, you're capable of doing something for that person. And, and it's not always what you would have thought a poor person needs. Sometimes it's radically the opposite of what you think. Sometimes the best thing you could do for someone who's collecting money is to not give them a dime, but to help them and to show them an alternate way, an alternate path to the goal. And that's what the Pasuk is telling us. In your tough day, will come and save you. will come and spring you free. Come and spring you, spring you free. He will help you run away. I love that line. It doesn't say, that God will save him. What does Yimalitehu mean? You know what Yimalitehu means? Yimalitehu means the way God saved Lot. Hashem did not have angels come, pick up Lot, and take him somewhere else from Sodom. What did he do? He sent him angel, angels, and the angels helped Lot run away. How do I know this is true? Because read the Pasuk. 
Lot says to the angel, look, I know we're going to, you know, the satnav says, you know, Google Maps, Waze says that we're going to that place, but it's very far to run. Is there any way that we could go to a closer place? Can we go to Tzor, Himitzar, right? Can we go to this closer village? Can we run there? And the angel acquiesces. You see, it was dependent on Lot being able to run away with his own two legs. You know what the payment is? God's not going to save you by having some rich guy save your, uh, save your bottom. God will help you run away. From the word, run for your life. If we want to have those benefits, then we need to give those benefits. I want to end, my friends, with this. There was a rabbi who passed away relatively recently. His name was Rabbi Ruven Sharabani. He was someone who was, he taught Torah all over Eretz Israel. He brought many people back to Judaism. Um, he was a very special person, but he lived a very difficult life. Holy, holy man. Anyway, they asked him to come to speak um, at a very, in what's it called? In, um, in, in South America, uh, Mexico, Panama, you know, Central America. They asked him to come and speak, and he arranged a speaking tour where he was going to go and try and bring Chizuk to these countries, but he made one condition. He said, look, I'm not well. I have cancer. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm weak. I'm willing to go because I feel like it's the right thing to go. But I want to go on one condition. The condition I'm making with you is that nobody gives me a dollar, that I don't have to collect a dollar. I'm just going to go to teach Torah. So the people from arranging the trip for him said, of course, of course, Rabbi, no problem. The communities will put on notice. The Rabbi is not going to be collecting any money. You know, he just, he's just coming to speak words of Torah to be mechazek. They asked him, why, Rabbi, why are you being so, you know, pointed about it? He says, because if anyone pays me money, then they feel like they brought me in, that I should say what they want me to say. If I come myself, I'm free to speak freely, to say the things the way I feel they need to be said. I could give the Musar, to the degree that I want. Okay, they agree. The rabbi flies there. The, every class that he gives is packed. He's making a tremendous impact. Day one, day two, middle of the trip, he gets a phone call. A fellow calls him and he says, listen, rabbi, I don't know what to do. Unfortunately, my, my uh, daughter was diagnosed with a very, very rare disease. This, um, this person, this, the doctor that saw her, he told us that there's only 15 children in the whole world that have this condition. There's one hospital, and there's one doctor that could do something, but it's in France. I can't afford to get there. The, the treatment's gonna cost a fortune of money. There's, uh, you know, and I feel like I don't know what to do because the only solution to save my daughter's life is to get there, to pay for the operation, etc., etc. I'm reaching out to you, Rabbi, please, if there's any way, I know you're in South America, maybe you could speak to some people, raise some money to be able to save my daughter's life. Rabbi feels like he's in a quandary now. He made it clear before he came he's not going to raise any money. He didn't want to do this. He gave his word. And as well, you know, he felt that that would limit his power to be able to actually make uh, an impact on the people by being honest and frank with them and not being a hired gun. So he doesn't know what to do. He's going back and forth until finally he says, listen. He doesn't tell the person. He says, okay, I'm, he says, I don't know what I could do. Let me see. He decides, he tells his gabai, he says, I said, I promised I'm not going to raise any money. I'm not going to raise any money. The guy says, but Rabbi, the guy's daughter, he says, I made my promise. Hashem will figure it out. The guy says, what do you mean Hashem will figure it out? Da, 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 da. Rabbi says, I have emunah. 
Hashem will figure it out. I made my promise, I'm going to stick with my word. Can't be, I'm sure the rabbi felt, can't be that the way to solve a problem is to do the wrong thing. Anyway, okay, he gives his class that afternoon in the city he's in. And at the end of the class, there's a fellow that knocks at the door and he says, you know, please, if there's any way I want to speak to the rabbi, you know, the rabbi, the man says the rabbi's not having visitors now, he's very weak after the speech. He says, please, you know, no, I'm one of the, uh, you know, the big donors in the community. Whatever the rabbi needs, whatever he wants, whatever he asks, he can ask me for anything, I'll give him, I need to speak with him, pikuach nefesh. Rabbi says, pikuach nefesh, okay, let him in. Comes in, he sits down with the rabbi, he says, rabbi, I need your advice. I don't know what to do. He says, what's the matter? He says, my daughter, unfortunately, she has a terrible disease. It's incredibly rare. There's only 15 children in the world that have it. And apparently there's a doctor in France um, that, what's it called? But I'm worried, do I have the zechut? Do I have the merit? What should I do? Tzedakah. The rabbi smiles. And he says, listen, I don't know what to tell you about, you know, about the disease. I'm not a doctor. He says, all I can tell you is this. I just received a phone call from a man in, America, in Israel who has child number 14 out of the 15. It's exactly the same disease. He needs exactly the same doctor. He needs to go to exactly the same place. I made Hashem a promise I'm not collecting a dollar. All I'm going to do is I'm going to connect you with that person. And I believe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent that phone call and right before you came to speak to me so that you would be able to have your answer. Each one of you would find your salvation in the other. One person here was in search of the money for the cure. And one person was in search for the zechut, for the cure that he had the money for to be able to work. And Hashem was mizamen otam lepundak echad. God made them come to one place. Sometimes a person has to realize that there's a reason why that person came to see you. Or that person had a chance. Or you got stuck in the elevator with that rabbi or with that almana, where she, so she had a chance to be able to talk to you and touch your heart and you were able to do something. But before you do something, be maskil el dal. Use your brains. Go to them. Understand them. Solve for their equation and their problem, and not what you think their problem is. May HaKadosh Baruch Hu bless us in every interaction we have to be mekayem zaktabo, to strengthen the ones that we meet, to allow them to stand on their own two feet. Whether that person needs tzedakah, whether it's a family member, whether it's someone that you're mentoring, whether it's a person at work, may Hashem bless us in every scenario that the people who come across us Leave us better than when they came. Baruch Hashem le'olam. 